FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 87 of the podcast that goes snicked. I'm half your host, Jason Venable. Um, Denise will be in part of the episode. They're uh, they're down an artist at work, and she's putting in a lot of extra hours this week, so I'm going to give her a little bit of a break. Uh, she will be on as many segments as she can, and for sure on the regular Wolverine book, for sure. Uh, the rest will kind of play by ear as we record. Anyway, um, whenever she's not on, you'll have to just listen to me by my lonely self, and hopefully you can handle that. <laughs> I will do my best to keep you entertained with witticisms and magic tricks and probably neither of those (laughs) uh yeah so let's talk about some comics this is going to be may 2014 part one for all the wolverine appearances yeah so let's uh, let's get to it all right here we go Alright, first up we have Wolverine number six. Snicks. <laughs> the Madripoor Job, part one. Paul Cornell is the writer. The Madripoor Job? Yeah, the Italian job at Madripoor. Yeah, my dirty mind just sort of read it as something else. Wait, you thought it was a sex move? Yeah. <laughs> what would it be? Never mind. No, please don't. Moving on. Gerardo Sandoval is the artist. David Curiel does the colors. VCs Corey Pettit Woo-hoo. does the letters. And then Ryan Stegman and Edgar Delgado did the cover. And on the cover, we have a black room. And Wolverine has a red line on him. And some guy with a gun has a blue line on him. What do you think of this cover? It's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Retro's not it. Um, it's pretty 90s looking, I think. See, I, I'm almost thinking like the Scarface poster, only with a little more detail. Somewhere up in there, 70s-ish. Okay. I wasn't sure about it at first when I saw it on the shelf. It didn't really jump out at me. But the more I look at it, the more I really like it. Oh, I think it's really cool. Yeah, I like it quite a bit. It'll probably actually, actually be the uh, the title card for this episode. Again, love the paper, not the digital. Yours looks kind of pinkish. It does, and it has more detail than I don't like. Oh. I like yours that seems less detail-oriented. Mine looks like a Crayola drawing, and yours looks really cool. <laughs> yes. Well, to be fair, I saw Ethan drawing on your iPad with Crayola earlier. Did you really? hmm He's so grounded. <laughs> grounded. All right, so t- we start off 2,000 feet above Madripoor. Remember... Wolverine and his new team of criminal misfits are trying to get to an object of secret origin before Sabretooth can get to it. So they're jumping out of the sky. I really like this panel, but it's kind of weird. So this guy, I guess the lost boy, or is it the other guy? 
lost boy. Yeah, is making the air like constantly explode beneath them so they fall slowly. So I kind of took it as they fall, the air explodes, it kind of like stops them a little bit, then they fall. Like then it they... kind of shoots them back up, but not enough to cancel out the fall, just enough to slow it down. And it's kind of like a reverse pressure, and I guess it's kind of air brakes, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I don't like it. Anyway, Pinch just skydives, and she uh, snake charms a rope into coming up to her. I've just, I decided when I, this panel of Pinch grabbing the rope, and falling down, however you want to call it. I think it's a cool page. I like it the is color a cool work. page. But this is that what I'm getting at is this is the page that made me realize what all their Backstreet Boy hair reminds me of, and it reminds me of why I don't like it. Street Fighter. No, Avon Flux. <laughs> I'm gonna pretend that you knew how to say that. Aeon Flux. Aeon Flux. There's no whatever. B in it anywhere. No, this art kicks the crap out of the Aeon Flux art. The Aeon yeah, Flux but, art is horrible. Okay, but... The show was so ugly. <laughs> but the hair was always very spidery and bug-like. Yes, it's anime influence, but I think it also was like... I mean, Street Fighter is the same kind of design. I don't, I don't look at Street Fighter. Well, I used to play it in the arcade. Oh, okay. I, but I think that's why. It reminds me of Bugs. Everyone reminds me of Bugs. Bugs Bunny. What's up, Doc? Nee. Right, anyway, they land and Wolverine peels off his costume. And has a James Bond tuxedo underneath. That's a patch tuxedo. I'm sorry. And he puts on his eye patch and assumes his full patch identity. And they go to the princess bar. Which now, you... how come Pinch puts on nice clothes? Wolverine puts on nice clothes. Lost Boy? He only has one hoodie. That is his nice clothes. He needs to get a black hoodie. He's lost. And he's a boy. He needs laundry day, and he needs to get a black hoodie. He needs a mummy. <laughs> He's a lost boy. He doesn't have a mummy. Exactly. He lost her. Now you're getting it. <laughs> anyway, so Patch and his new crew meet his old contact. He remembers him from the old Wolverine s- series days when he was Patch and Madripoor all the time. Yeah, but I love how Wolverine doesn't remember him. He's well, like, he hey, should... He calls him, hey, shoo, show, shall. I don't know how you would say that. I think he's not sure what his name is. Kind no. of like when you see someone, you're like, hey, Steve. Um, oh, I didn't even get that. What's up, I dude? Think you're probably right. <laughs> Wolverine's been around a long time. He has a lot to forget. Anyway, this guy basically tells him that the artifact is called the Star That Fell, which is a cool, like, mystical name for something. I kind of like that. It was a cult object, then someone stole it, and someone stole it from the someone that stole it, and then someone stole it again, and now it's a Madripoor. And there's 10 different stories of where it came from. Right. It's got to be hush, hush. And then there's this guy listening who I swore was the offer. (laughs) No, I swore it was, uh, honey, I shrunk the uh, co-conspirator's head. Why is he so disproportionate? I don't know, because he's wearing an ugly costume. (laughs) Anyway, some... uh, Nobody knows that. Some hand ninjas pop in. I really like Sandoval's ninjas. They look really cool. This was a... they attack... Chaotic panel. But then the guy who I thought was the offer really confused me by fighting Wolverine and his team while the ninjas kidnap Wolverine. But then... Dun, dun, dun. They go outside to the alley. And he rips his face off. Yeah, and it's... Pizza Hussein or pizza? I don't, I don't know how you say that. Pizza? No. <laughs> anyway, she's part of British intelligence, MI-13. Hmm. And we go back and Wolverine makes his Ethan at dinner face or any kid at dinner face. Ew, I have ah. to eat what? Right. I'm we, full. 
<laughs> we meet Pete Wisdom and Dane Whitman, MI-13 agents, and they were Whitman. the ninjas. Isn't that Don Draper's name? I think so, yeah. Whitman? Dick Whitman, right? Yeah, random Oh, this is Dane Whitman. Yeah, it's Dane. Maybe the brothers. related. He's uh, Don's grandson. Half-grandson. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, Wolverine makes fun of tea time, and when it turns out, he's in on this. It was all a ruse so we could get kidnapped and get information from MI-13 about the object. Ooh, sneaky, sneaky. Right, without his team finding out. Then they, they stick a microchip between his boobs. Yes, and his man peck cleavage. They stick a little microchip, and it will thump when it recognizes the object. And he can thump his chest like Celine Dion in a solo. My heart will go on. And <laughs> they she will, really do that? I don't know. She did in the in the SNL skit. Whenever they made fun of her, they always like beat their chest with intense melodrama. Okay. It was really funny. Anyway, so now they say phase three is about to be initiated. This is hilarious. And Wolverine's team bust in, and the ninja who just put his mask back on says, We have been surprised. Aye! <laughs> and Wolverine goes, Oh, right. This is phase three. Yeah. And so anyway, the ninjas run away, and the, the gang bust Wolverine loose, and he says that he got some information from them. <laughs> They accidentally let re- something reverse slip. Reverse interrogation. Anyway, they gotta go north. They go through the Midnight Bazaar, which sounds like a porno store. But this is where all the high-tech stolen black market goods are traded in Madripoor. So they had said something about the object always causing chaos. And Wolverine sees some chaos and says, that's it. Let's follow it. And we see a guy run off in a pink toboggan and a With fur really coat. With really crazy hair, too. And they get to the empty quarter, which is weird. I didn't understand this at all. I, I don't really either. It's a spatial anomaly created by an alien invasion. If you go over it, you get caught in the negative zone or something i don't know anyway wolverine says you can't follow me i'll go and i'll meet you on the other side and wolverine his his heart's a thumping he's in he's in love oh no wait he just feels the object <laughs> but he smells saber tooth we have flashbacks of the end of killable i don't like the panel okay so let me back up in the floppy i like how Wolverine's on one side and Sabretooth is on the other. Yeah, it looks really cool. It does look cool. You don't get that on the iPad, which no, stinks. sorry. But I will say, looking at them separately, the panel of Wolverine on his own, I think is silly without the panel of Sabretooth. Because on mine, it just looks like he's squatting like a dog and sniffing the air. But well, then, he is. Well, yeah, but when you, when you showcase it with Sabretooth on the other side, then it's almost like... I smell him, and then there he is. Right. I really like the art on these two pages. Sabretooth looks a little monstrous for my taste, but it kind of fits, because it is Wolverine's like memory of that night. He reminds me of the alien in Men in Black, the first one, the insect. Sure. That's played by, uh, what's his name? I don't know. Anyway, the Wolverine knows that he's supposed to uh, do a Celine Dion solo so the MI-13 can come and bag Sabretooth. He says, that's all I got to do. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I I didn't mean to interrupt. I just realized I was going to ask you a question. Oh, okay. So is Wolverine hushing himself at first? I think he's feeling his face. See, at first when I saw it, I thought it was Sabretooth, like... No, that's Wolverine's hand with his claws coming out. Right, but my first yeah. instinct was it was Sabretooth's hand. Then I saw the claws. Then I was confused. Then I thought, well, what is he doing? Like, checking his teeth? Yeah, I think he's, like, 
feeling himself. Like he, that's the most tore up he's been since he lost his healing factor. He's like making sure everything's still there. Anyway, Wolverine says there's no way he can do that. It'd be smart to call in backup. But I guess he's not that smart. And you see Sabretooth in the alley. He just killed the punk in the pink toboggan. Which means he's probably about to have his hands on his object of desire. And Wolverine's not going to wait for backup or even call for backup it looks like. He's going to take, he's going to do the thing he's been telling everybody he's not going to do anymore. And he's going to take Sabretooth on on his own. And this could just be total coincidence. But let me point out a few things I noticed on this very last page. Okay. So on yours, it doesn't seem obvious, but on the digital, it seems obvious. So doesn't that little pink section look lighter? Like there's something like a stone coming out of him right there. And then the word fragile, like on the box above it. Yeah, I don't know. I just took that as the inside of his shirt, but it could be something else. I don't know. I don't know. I just find it interesting that there's a box and it says fragile. I think that's supposed to be further back. It is further back. But I'm yeah. just saying like as an artist, sometimes they like to hide little cookies. Clues. Yeah. Right. yeah I, could, I don't know. It might be an Easter egg for like a foreshadowing. I'm not sure. Or it could just be uh, fragile. It's French. Plus, I'm also trying to figure out where's this light source. So inside that box is the, uh, the sexy leg lamp from a Christmas story. Nice. Yeah. That Sabretooth's object of desire. <laughs> the object that'll make him like a god is the lamp from a Christmas story. That's right. You rub it the right of way. The leg and fishnet stockings. Yes. Not only does it grant you three wishes, but it'll <laughs> it'll make you a deity. Yes. I, yeah, I don't I don't like how this panel's drawn. It's really hard to tell. It's weird that there's a box against the wall under his leg, but Wolverine is in the same frame behind him is not against the wall. Yeah. That doesn't really make any sense. No, it did. I think they're trying to show all this chaos, but it, you're right. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But Sabretooth looks pretty mean. He does. All right. So what do you think of this issue? I really like the art. Eh. It's very stylized, but we'll, we'll probably have the same disagreement we had last time. Probably. <laughs> That's the beauty of a co, 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 co-hosting. Co-host. Yeah. Coasting. Coasting. Yes. Coasting on a podcast. Chahosting. 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 All right, well, so we'll, we'll have our differences on the art. What do you think of the issue? I did not see the whole taking Wolverine just to give him intelligence. I like that. I liked it too, I liked and the, I didn't the double see it cross, coming. The kind of the, the spy. This is basically like a spy story, this issue. Yeah. I enjoyed that. I did too, partly because I didn't see it coming. So I think that's what I enjoy. I, I like when I can't figure things out. Right. I think because I spend so many time going, oh, I called it. So I really enjoyed the story. I love the, the verbiage. Yeah, that was really good. I'm curious about this star. I have a feeling it's going to be like... The star that fell. The star that fell is going to be like the Ace of Diamonds and some tarot reader's cards. And it fell out. <laughs> and somebody picked it up. <laughs> Are you ignoring me because I guessed right? No, I have no idea what you're talking about. You're speaking gibberish as I'm far as I'm concerned. I'm just making stuff up. But yeah, no, I liked it quite a bit. I thought the intrigue, it was just the right amount of fun, the right amount of intrigue, the right amount of fighting. Oh, and there's a line where Wolverine talks about he has no idea what he's going to do about Pinch. Yeah, I and like that, that. That was interesting. Well, it makes you wonder, he's not in love with her, so why is he with her? Or maybe he is in love or with her. Fall, I think he's falling for her a little bit, yeah. You think so? Yeah. That's why he's asking what he's going to do about her. Like, when I basically, when I get out of this, then it's time to basically arrest these people. Like, what am I going to do? 
Hmm. What would you do? Well, I don't know. Since I know I'm going to die, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> this Marvel told me I'm dead in four months. <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? She'll get over me. Yeah. I'll write her a letter. Please move on. Right, right, right. Go pinch yourself. Anyway, all right, so when are you going to grade Wolverine number six? I'm going to give it a very strong... Eh, what the hell? I'll give it five out of six. Okay. The art did not pull it there, though. <laughs> I, I'm also going to give it... Well, I, I was going to give it five out of six, but I can't think of any reason not to give it six. Yeah, I'm gonna still I'm gonna stick with five. Five out of six. It was a really good issue. Wasn't perfect, but I don't really can't really say why. <laughs> um, it didn't have that wow factor. No, I mean it was fun. It was fun. And enjoyable. Yeah. So anyway, we're we're both gonna give it five out of six. Alrighty. All right. Well, Moving on. on. Okay, so next up we have Savage Wolverine number eighteen. This is written by Jen Van Meter with art by Rich Ellis. Ruth Redman did the colors, and VCs Corey Pettit, woohoo, did the letters. The cover is by Shane Davis and Maury Hollowell, and the cover's pretty sweet. It's got Wolverine um, fighting with fire, or playing with fire, or fighting fire with fire, I don't know. Anyway, it's, there's some fire, and there's some Wolverine, and it's Shane Davis, so it's pretty, pretty nice, pretty badass. I like this cover quite a bit. And then I opened the comic. All right, so it's November 1963. Hmm, I think something happens right around there. Anyway, Wolverine is in some small town in Texas, and there's some angry white guys, and then there are some Hispanics who are staging a peaceful protest over an undetermined issue. And uh, the angry gringos try to break it up. They're going to fight. Wolverine breaks it up his way. Uh, there was going to be some gang that showed up, some Mexican biker gang that showed up to help the Hispanic workers. And they don't come because they saw the news of the JFK assassination on TV, and they're all sad. And then Wolverine, uh, basically this lady tells him, you can't be a loner, you're dangerous. And dangerous loners end up like this guy, and she points at Lee Harvey Oswald on the TV. And so Wolverine joins the... Um, Monada biker gang for a day or so, or however long. Um, this story makes absolutely no sense. Uh, the art's okay. It's not bad. I don't know. I, I guess obvious the, uh, the fat white people are the bad guys, which is fine. They usually are. <laughs> white guilt. We're supposed to pull for the, uh, the Hispanic workers who are only having a peaceful demonstration. We have no idea what the demonstration is about. And at this point, I don't think it's cool to just assume that they're automatically right just because they're the workers. I mean, they probably are. And Wolverine takes their side. I think he's just taking their side because he doesn't want the little people to get ground down. You know, he's sticking up for the defenseless. That's very Wolverine. That's fine. I mean, well, I mean, we don't we just we don't know what they're protesting. I, I'm assuming it has something to do with maybe uh, I don't know, fair wages, better work hours. I mean, they're workers. They would it would seem that would probably be something they would want, or you know, they want to be treated equally, not taken advantage because they're immigrants or whatever. And maybe the author chose not to use any one issue because he didn't want people to decide whether they supported. Uh, the oppressed based on whether they agreed with the issue or not. But the lack of issue doesn't make it universal. It just makes it pointless. (laughs) 
So anyway, there's really no reason for this comic to exist. You know, I'm a big, me and Denise both are big Mad Men fans. And that is the right way to have kind of a tangential background use of real world events. You know, the JFK assassination there, then the office stops. You know, it's, the episode's not really about that on Mad Men, but it plays a big part. This really felt shoehorned into this comic. Yeah, I don't really want to talk about this comic. It's not good at all. Um, I'm going to give Savage Wolverine number 18 one out of six claws. Uh, the cover's awesome. The art's okay. The story's not really a story. So there you go. I shot the Watcher, but I did not shoot Nick Fury. <laughs> Who shot the Watcher? It was JR. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> All right, yeah, we're talking about Original Sin number one. This is written by Jason Aaron with art by Mike Diodato, colors by Frank Martin, letters by VC's Chris Eliopoulos, and the cover is by Julian Tatino Tedesco. And on the cover we have Who Shot the Watcher? And we see the Watcher's dead feet. But I did not shoot Nick Fury. <laughs> Speaking of Nick Fury, he's on the cover with Black Widow, Captain America, Thing, Thor, Spider-Man, and Wolverine. He's looking for clues. Anyway, uh, what do you think of this cover? Eh. I like it. Something about the way Wolverine's pose really strikes me. Like he's taking a lead on like gathering the evidence. I like the typography of Sin and how it rolls into the black yeah i also think it's weird i think it's just the shading and the coloring it looks like thor is crying it does it also looks like tor tor thor has four boobs well he does (laughs) four giant nipples metal nipples yes the best kind so anyway we start off with the watcher he's on the moon he's a giant toga wearing baby and he's on the moon I shot the giant toga wearing no. baby. <laughs> no, song's over. Jukebox is broken. Aww. Ran out of juice. Aww. So anyway, I think this is a photograph of a moon with the watcher drawn on. The moon doesn't look drawn to me. No. Yeah, so it actually is. It, well, okay, it is and it isn't. So it's an actual photograph that they took into Photoshop and tried to make look like an illustration. And then they drew overlaid the watcher drawing over it yes what do you think of this kind of thing it reminds me of um what's the cartoon that does this all the time aqua teen hunger force is that the one with uh the french floating french fries yes yes yeah (laughs) and i don't like it (laughs) i think it looks kind of cool but it has a little bit of a disconnect for me because it doesn't look like the watcher is actually on the moon well, okay. Like it looks like uh, a color. You remember color forms? Yes. It looks like a color form. Okay, so here's my other issue with it. This is the only place in the book it does it. Yes. Had they done this in other places? Well, there are some artists who, like when there's TV screens or posters in the background, those will be like photorealistic too. But yeah, I don't but think there's an example of that in this issue. No, and I think that's my issue is that this type of art only appears once so as an artist i kind of feel like oh dang it i gotta draw the moon <laughs> well, i'm just gonna do this this will be quick and dirty right so i kind of feel like it's partially 
lazy, partially trying to do something cool, only yeah. they only did it in one spot. Uh, basically, the watcher's on the moon. We see his eyes. His eyes, which are just all white, by the way. I just wanted to take note of that. Yeah. Um, Please take note of that. Yeah. And then, um, basically, he talks about how he sees everything. And I see you. All the good, the bad. He's just a big peeping Tom. Little, little pervy baby in a toga. Um, <laughs> he knows all the secrets, <laughs> all the proud moments, all the shameful things. He's got it all. And he even can sometimes see what's coming. Or no, he gets a feeling when something big is going to happen. That's how he knows to go watch right. all the big events, like we talked about before, when the Watcher showed up in the Wolverine series. So he gets a feeling, and he knows it's about himself, and he says, I see you, and then his base blows its stack. Somebody explodes his little moon moon base Zappa. <laughs> I love Tower. how it doesn't go boom. It goes wha-boom. Yeah, so moon base Zappa is zap. And then we go to... Uh, Sabolsky's Diner, that's a comic guy, C.J. Sabolsky, so he, he gets a nod. I love how the airplane's parked next to the convertible. I was about to talk about how the Quinjet is in a parking place. <laughs> so then we have Captain America, Wolverine, Black Widow, and retired original Nick Fury having dinner. Original? Yep, and they're all in civilian clothes. I love Captain America's wearing his own shirt. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he has no secret identity, so it doesn't matter. That made me laugh. Yeah. So anyway, they're talking about the best steaks. And Nick Fury talks about the steak in wartime was the best steak because you feel more alive. Makes sense. Then uh, Cap gets a phone call. Ring, ring. And he gets some bad news. He wants Nick to come with him. Nick's like, I'm out of the game. He's like, I need you. He's like, fine, but I'm driving. So they get in the car's Lola, right? Is that what it's called? Yeah. So five minutes and 238,000 miles later. Whoosh. They're in Lola, in space, Nick's driving, they go to the moon base, and Thor and Iron Man greet them. I wondered how Iron Man got there. I was counting heads in the car when I read this. Oh, you flew. Him and Thor just kind of, see, he's flying in right there. I thought he couldn't fly past a certain part of the Earth. Uh, I don't know what Iron Man you're reading, but no. Well, that's the show. They're the movie. Right. He freezes up. Well, that was also, like, his first set of armor. We're, like, oh. on Iron Man 30,000 by now in the comic. So I guess Thor was first on the scene. He said, he's the one that called Captain America. And he said he was flying towards the moon, and he felt something on his face. And there was blood floating in space. Ew. Yeah. And he followed the blood to the Watcher's moon base. Gross. And uh, called called the Avengers. So they're like, oh, well, I wonder who did this. And Iron Man's like, oh, it could have been an accident. This guy has every bad weapon ever. He's got a lot of stuff in his house yeah, and it's highly collect- combustible. Yeah, basically. It's, it's kind of like a meth lab. Yeah. can blow, blow it any second. So Iron Man's not convinced it's he not an accident. He had everything for a pipe bomb. Yeah. But... Of course, Nick Fury's like, nope, the Watcher was murdered. And I have to say, I did not realize the Watcher was this big. Yeah, I mean, he was at least twice Wolverine size in that comic. But yeah, he's a lot bigger here. He looks like he's 20 feet tall. He's pretty big. He's a giant baby. He, anyway, he, he never got moved shot out of the, his parents' basement. Yes. He got shot through the forehead and someone took his eyes. Gross. His eyes, his eyes, they took his eyes. And Captain America comes to the conclusion, uh, we don't know anything about his physiology. I don't know if I'm supposed to check his pulse or... 
You know, is he really dead? Look at his bum hole. I don't. I don't. Where, where do we look? Uh, don't lift up the toga. And so they're all kind of worried. Uh, the Watcher is super powerful. Who took him down? And uh, Cap says they gotta find out quick. And uh, Iron Man says, well, they didn't just kill the Watcher. They also raided his uh, collection. So who knows what kind of super high power weapons are on the loose now. But how did they know they raided his collection if everything was just completely destroyed? Well, you can see that it's kind of been ransacked, so he's just assuming. Oh. So Captain America says, all right, we got a killer on the loose. Armed with a gun, at least that can kill a watcher. And maybe he has other super goodies he stole, too. And Wolverine in shadow, which in an awesome panel, says, don't forget about the eyes. And Cap's like, all right, so Nick, you see why I needed you? He's like, yeah. And Nick uh, says something a little disturbing. He's like, no, let's, let's not even talk about who's able to kill the Watcher. Let's just. Let's talk about who knows the Watcher is here. And it's a pretty short list. And they're, and they're, they're not, not all bad. Yeah, he goes, and they're not all bad guys. Um, and Cap says, all I care about is the truth. And then I can't tell what's going on in this panel. Because Nick Fury looks down. I don't know if he's just like, well, it might be a good guy, or if he actually like knows something. Hmm. And I really can't tell from that look. So we'll see. All right. So then we have different. All right. So basically, we have our gathering of the different teams. Right. There's some boss with a green glowing crystal. We don't Could know. Could that be Banner? I don't think so, but I don't know who it is. They're, they keep him hidden. Yes, but can we take note that it's a green glowy crystal? Yes, because that will come back, even in this very issue. Anyway, he's talking to the Black Panther, and he hooks up the Black Panther with his team. No, it doesn't say on this one, but Black Panther's like, you got to be joking. So then we see uh, Ant-Man and Emma Frost. Ant-Man? Uh, I have to say, I thought they were pulling stuff out of their butt for that one. Oh, no, he's, been, he's one of the first Avengers. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, back from the 60s, when that kind of stuff was cool. Ant-Man! <laughs> yep. So anyway, they're going to be on a team. I don't know if that's Black Panther's team or not. I can't tell if that's what they're they're getting at. Another team is going to be Punisher, who Diodato's Punisher looks awesome. It's going to be Punisher, who I lo- mostly love, and Doctor Strange, who I mostly hate. They'll be on a team together. Doctor Strange. That ought Strange. to be interesting and annoying. Then we have um, Moon Knight and Winter Soldier. And they're, they've come to collect Gamora from Guardians of the Galaxy. Ooh. Yeah. All right. So Nick Fury is, um, he's going to help the Avengers, but he's, he wants to do it in secret, in the shadows. And why is that? Yeah, he doesn't want people to know he's back in business. And he says, our killer has killed before. So they, they think they found a fragment of a bullet. And it's green glowing crystal. Hmm. hmm. So there's a boss putting a team together. Who was... To hunt down the Watcher's killer, who has something very similar to the bullet that killed the Watcher. Could be coincident. Stop. Maybe his his green crystals were stolen from by somebody else. Ooh. I don't know. Anyway, uh, we have the Fantastic Four. The Thing is fighting this weird creature that looks a lot like when Cyclops turned into Apocalypse. I think they're called the Nameless Ones or something. Okay. Or faceless Ones. And they say it here in a minute. Anyway, we have a pretty cool double-page panel and this, oh, mindless, mindless ones. But they're starting to get a mind, and he's angry, and he's shooting the thing, and Spider-Man shows up, and he has the ultimate nullifier. That's no good. So they take this guy out. No, the guy takes himself out. Oh, that's right. He shoots himself, nullifies himself. He says he doesn't want to know. Knowledge is a curse. I liked it better when I had no mind than this horrible. The man on the moon yeah. knew. 
So then Captain America jumps out of a flying car. I see Nick Fury's there and he says he's in charge and this is a crime scene. He's going to go shield CSI. Then we see our teams getting together some more and someone's going to the moon. And then somebody... Did Ant-Man grow? You can change size, yes. Okay. You can shrink and grow. Um, So then elsewhere, we have a bunch of mindless ones who are waking up. We have two bad guys. One... You know, I can't tell at all who it is, and another one who I can't tell at all who it is. Yeah, I blew it up big. It's is that a hood or white hair? I can't tell. I th- shadow or I think when it's... you grow blow it up, it kind of looks like a hood. Hang on. Yeah, it does look like a hood. I don't know. Anyway, they have one of the what we're supposed to be led to assume anyway is one of the watchers' eyeballs, and it has a blue iris and a black pupil. Could this be Red Skull? Uh, possibly. Curious how the Watcher's eyeball suddenly looks like a real eyeball. And it has a pupil. Yeah, and an iris. And it's blue. Yep. The so. prettiest shade of blue. So, what do you think of the art? I don't think you've ever done a, a Mike Diodato book with I, me on the podcast before. I don't think so. Like I said, it kind of threw me the whole moon thing. Okay, other than that. What do you Actually, think he does do it a second time on the last page. Oh, or second okay. to the last page. I thought it was good. A little rough. But I thought it was good. I'm a Diodato fan. I like him. I like his kind of sketchy, but uh, what do you call it? Contrasty? Yeah, high contrast. S- yeah, style. I think it looks cool. And it's kind of real, like super realistic, but also kind of stylized. It's a nice blend. Yeah, I I want to see more before I make a solid yeah, decision. Enough. I would say he's come a long way from when he started an image as just basically a TNA guy. Okay. But in the 90s, a lot of guys, especially in Image, were just TNA guys. So. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I I will say there are certain characters that I like the way he's drawn them, and then there are other characters that I, I don't care for the way that they're oh, drawn. I really like his thing. Yeah. I like his Spider-Man and his Wolverine. I guess I very much like the way, who do you not like? And don't say Ant-Man, because he just looks stupid. Like, there's no way to draw him cool. <laughs> um, he's got a big, stupid helmet all the time. That's not his fault. I don't like the way Emma Frost is drawn. You don't like the way she's drawn, or you don't like her costume? Both. I don't like, I don't really, I'm not a fan of this costume, but that's what she's in right now. The other thing, her face looks cool. I don't, I don't know. I'm not digging her, and I'm not digging, um, you're gonna, you're not gonna like this. I don't like the way he's drawn Wolverine. Really? Okay, let me rephrase that. I don't like the way he's drawn Logan. I'm not digging the cowboy hat with the wife beater. That's what he wears most of the time. I, I could I could handle the wife beater, but the oh, cowboy hat. He's been hat, wearing cowboy hats since he first came around. Uh, yeah. I just don't like it. That's a throwback. I, uh, it's part of it's part of Logan. So. I know, but Yeah. All right, so what do you think of the story? I like the story. I like the idea of the story. Do I think this was scripted well? Hmm. I'm gonna, here's what here's what I'm gonna tell you what I think. Okay. You own a lot of action movies these days. Yes. We'll have a cold open. Yes. We'll have like a scene, maybe set up a mystery. Yes. And maybe 10 minutes in and then we'll do the opening credits. Yes. I kind of feel like that's what just happened. Yes. I kind of feel like we have an intro, a cool little kind of snappy intro with the heroes at dinner and stuff. Then I feel like after we see the Black Panther and we start gathering the teams, I feel like the rest of that is opening credits. And maybe yes. it's a cool opening credit scene. Maybe. But it's still opening credits. And I just, I don't know, I don't really have a feel for where the series is going, and that's okay. But this whole 
Well, I mean, we had, like, the inciting incident, the murder of the Watcher, but even that, like, was done and written in a way that all felt like setup, even though it was kind of the main event. Yeah, I also kind of felt like that whole opening credits thing. Did you ever watch CSI? I've seen it with you a few times. Okay, so, you know, in the big, like, the first five minutes or so they they set everything up and then they make some witty comment at the end and then that's when the the like song rolls uh-huh. or whatever yeah the whole but it's not our eyes i'm interested in opening right like it that was kind of cheesy clever yeah and so i all i could think of is i was waiting for the csi Wah! okay well, anyway um i'm excited uh, to see what you think. Hopefully this will be a good Marvel event. But now, this is your first big Marvel event to read. Well, no, I, I read Adam, right? Battle of the Adam. Didn't yeah, that, that was a couple that was of an books? X, X event. Yeah, an, yeah. an X-Men crossover. Yeah. So this well, is the first big Marvel event. Okay, so let me you ask it? you. In the back, it says, don't miss the whole story. The sin continues in Avengers 2930. Which I didn't buy. Mighty Avengers number 10 and Deadpool number 29. Okay, so the adventure doesn't continue. Right, right. So I guess this is, most of our listeners probably know this, but maybe you don't. We'll have a little bit of an event tutorial here. An event tutorial? Yes. Do we need to plug in the Rosetta Stone? Yes. Okay. And it looks like an eyeball, and it's rubbery, and it glows in the dark, and I got it from the comic shop. Just rub it. Just rub it? Okay. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> rub that. Just don't let Max get it. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, so events, at least at the big two at Marvel and DC, for the last several years, have pretty much gone like this. Event, miniseries, original sin, one of eight. So there'll be eight issues. Okay. Sometimes there will be a sub-series. In this case, it'll be Original Sins, which will be a mini-series about some of the minor characters doing activities around the main story. Okay. Which I haven't decided yet if I'm going to buy or not. And then, in addition to that, we will also have what are called tie-in issues. Okay. And the major related books. So, like, in this case, Avengers, if Wolverine wasn't about to die, we'd probably have one in Wolverine. We'll probably, well, I'm pretty sure we'll have one in Spider-Man, Thor, Fantastic Four. Okay. All, all, the, all those guys will have a tie-in issue. Okay. And so in the back, this is what we're getting. Like, there's going to be a Deadpool tie-in. The official mandate from Marvel and DC when they do this kind of thing is... The series can be read as a standalone series. And all the subseries and tie-ins don't have to be read, but if you read them, it enriches the main story. Sometimes they stick to that. Sometimes the tie-ins are really damn important, and I miss them, and I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> They're like listening to one of your grandmother's stories. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know what which this will be. Um, I'll probably get some of the tie-ins that look interesting to me, but I won't. Get all of them. And honestly, when you hear, all right, so you hear people talk about seasoned comic readers talk about event-itis. Event-itis. That's because basically, at least at Marvel and DC, there's an event every summer. I have antibiotics for that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. For example, DC is just wrapping up Forever Evil, Ooh. which is their big crossover. And okay. oddly enough, Original Sin. <laughs> they do seem to sometimes go in. You know how, how every summer there's like, or, you know, I haven't seen this the last couple of years, but it used to be every summer there would be blockbusters that were very similar, like Deep Impact and 
Um, oh, you want to know why? What was the Bruce Willis one? The crappy one? Armageddon. Armageddon. Do you want to yeah. know why? Because there was Bugs Life and Ants. Yes. I know the scoop behind it. Well, sometimes it's because someone gets fired from a company, you know, leaves a company, and takes their script somewhere else, and the original company rushes a movie into production to compete. That's exactly what happened to this. Yeah, that's what happened on, uh, I don't think that's, is that what happened on Deep Impact, though? Yes. Oh. Because the guy worked on some scripting for Armageddon, and he worked on Bugs Life. Oh, okay. And he got fired from Disney. That's not always what happens. Like, with Dante's Peak and, um... The other volcano type movie. I think that was just random. Well, sometimes somebody starts something and then the the movie studios say, well, not now. Yes. So this is our podcast about movies. Yeah. No, but anyway, basically because you have the series and the sub-series and the tie-ins, if that's something you're not normally buying, that's a lot of extra books for people to buy. And sometimes people feel like they have to buy all the books to get the whole story and blah, blah, blah. So a lot of people get really burnt out on these events. For me, as long as the story and the event itself is good and I'm not too lost not buying the extra books from the series I don't normally buy, I'm okay with the event. Like, I don't mind the event in theory. I don't mind the fact that they do it as long as it's good. Right. So, anyway, we'll be interested to see what you think of Original Sin as we go through it. Uh, so what are you, you going to grade number one? Um, number one, I'm going to give it four out of six. Okay. Number one, I'm going to give three out of six claws. Okay. Really well, enjoyed the art. Just didn't feel like... How did I give it a higher score than you did? You, I guess you liked it more. I thought almost the whole section of the... I will say about the team-ups, there are a lot of people on teams or in groups together that are never in groups together. That could be very interesting. But just seeing their names together is not interesting to me. I will say, I did not like how they... They gave the character's name and then some like brief synopsis of what they were. Oh, I do like that. I don't need it because I'm not a new reader, but I think it's really helpful if you don't know who the characters are. Yeah, but some of them are stupid. Like Iron Man's, I thought was stupid. Some of them try to be funny. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Anyway, I just, I'm I'm still interested in what where the series is going to go, but I didn't think this was the strongest first issue. It wasn't bad. It just I'm, I guess I was hoping to be a little more excited, and I'm not really excited at all. I'm interested, but I'm not excited. Just making sure it was I wasn't like the creative team. Like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good-sized Jason Aaron and Mike Diodato fan, and I've been really loving Frank Martin's colors lately. So so who do you think shot the Watcher? When you already sang the song, you did it. But it wasn't you, it was Bob Marley or Eric Clapton. I shot the Watcher. No, I'm pretty sure it's Wolverine. <laughs> no, he wanted to use his claws. Maybe it was Nick Fury. I think it'd be cool if it was Nick Fury Jr. and we had a family family feud. Oh, man. Just kidding. All right, anyway, let's move on. Okay, next up, we have No More Humans. No More Podcasters. Um, <laughs> or maybe I'm a mutant podcaster. Anyway, No More Humans is the uh, first X-Men original graphic novel since God Loves Man Kills, which... Coming around the bend on the uh, flashback episodes, probably a couple months maybe, till we get there. So that should be fun. Anyway, uh, this is written by Mike Carey with art by Salvador LaRocha, or LaRocha. Uh, colors by Justin Ponsor. VC's Corey Pettit, woohoo, is the letterer. And this cover is also by LaRocha. And it's basically the uh, the X-Men that are going to be on our main team here, which is Grumpy Wolverine, Storm, Cyclops, Beast, 
Emma Frost, Magic, and Magneto. And they're kind of standing around, and they're, and I guess, in yellow. <laughs> There's a big yellow kind of paint circle around them, and it's marked through with a white X. It's not a bad cover. Yeah, so the concept I was kind of excited about. We'll see how it goes. Basically, we have um, Rays, who is Wolverine and Mystique's son from the future, left over from Battle of the Atom. And he is invading a compound in Seattle uh, by some doctor named Dr. Gregory Sale. And he gets captured, but he knew there was going to be a big storm that was going to temporarily knock the power out. So he got captured on purpose. Then when the power went out, he got away. Uh, basically takes over the the doctor and makes all the humans on the earth disappear. We know this because there's an empty plane flying at the uh, Jean Grey school, and it's not just because Denzel Washington is drunk. It's because there's nobody on it. The X-Men keep the plane from crashing, crashing into the mansion. They go to Cerebro. Beast thinks there's a glitch because the mutants are the only thing on the map, and they're super, like, bright. He says usually they're they're more faint because the mutants are the signal, but all the humans on the planet made, like, kind of a white noise or background noise to the lights on Cerebro. But now there's no more humans, and they go to Times Square to confirm there's all kinds of wreckage, wrecked cars, blah, blah, blah. Then the Uncanny X-Men show up, and Wolverine and Scott have a typical face-off. Scott's like, basically Wolverine says, you might, you might have wanted this done. And Scott's like, dude, that's not me. Like, I'm trying to save our species, not get rid of the humans. And they're about to fight, but then Magneto shows up with Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. And probably the best panel of the book. Uh, Magneto in this black costume with silver trim. Looks pretty awesome. The one he's been sporting over in his uh, solo series. So they all have a meeting to decide what to do. Uh, There's one human left on Cerebro. And he's in the middle of New Mexico. Just south of Santa Fe. So the X-Men pick a strike team. It's the same team from the cover. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I lied. On the cover, that wasn't magic. That was young Jean Grey. My apologies. That team flies off. They find the human in the middle of the desert. Uh, Scott asks, all right, well, how are we going to work this team? And Magneto and Wolverine both defer to him for tactical reasons. Not necessarily that they'll stick behind every decision he makes, but as far as strategy, they recognize that maybe Scott has the best tactical mind to try to approach this problem. Gene and Emma try to read this human. He's dying. They find out he's the doctor. And Ray's uh, basically used this machine somehow to make all the humans disappear. The machine pops out of the desert. They attack it, but it takes everybody away, all the X-Men, into like some limbo, not space. So the students at the school decide they're going to try to figure out what's going on when this interdimensional gateway shows up. And all these mutant refugees don't have to live like a mutant refugee. Anyway... All these refugees from different dimensions are coming to our Earth because there's no humans left to oppress them. And they've been told it's safe haven. So they pretty much set up a refugee camp at the Jean Grey School. Somehow, Beast and Magneto use their powers and wits and then supercharge it with a lightning bolt from Storm. Reverse engineer this machine to send them back to the desert. And they go home. And they're trying to figure out what to do. They decide they're going to have to take the battle to the compound where Ray's is. Wolverine's happy about that. The guy's been bugging him. 
because he wants to kill another kid of his own. They send Nightcrawler in, and Raze gets him, and he's got a Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, not the ones from Battle of the Atom, but just basically mutants from all across the different dimensions, the multiverse, if you will. So the X-Men have lost Nightcrawler, they go in, Raze and Wolverine kind of have a showdown, uh, he's captured Nightcrawler, says he's going to blow him up if they don't leave, um, basically says, hey, all I've done is taken away the humans so the mutants can thrive and be protected. I've got all these mutants here on my side, there's no reason to even fight it can't be undone the x-men are gonna fight but magneto intervenes and says you know what maybe this is what's best for mutant kind now maybe we shouldn't have done it but it's done so fine and the x-men leave we get a snicked as wolverine says he's not gonna leave without nightcrawler and ray says okay take him but then everybody leaves and so the x-men are trying to figure out what to do Wolverine's not happy that they put their tail between their legs and ran off. Reminds me a lot of old the old Claremont burn run on X-Men, where Cyclops or Professor X would, would pull the team and Wolverine would bitch about it. Very reminiscent of all that. Basically, they decide they don't have enough information. So, Mystique, our Mystique, and Raze are having a conversation. Of course, we find out Raze doesn't really care about the mutants. Mystique says he's insane. He basically tells them that the humans are in this limbo place that the X-Men went to. He couldn't actually, like, destroy them. He just removed them from Earth, and they're just kind of floating out in the ether. Uh, Tempest overhears that. She's one of the spies. She freezes them in a time bubble, and uh, North Star gets them out. So she takes her information back home. The X-Men decide they have to go back, take the, the fight back to Raze, and they need to figure out how to fix the machines when they need the doctor to do it. Of course, the doctor died in the desert, but Cyclops convinces a triage to try to bring him back to life. So we get a zombie doctor, and we're going to use his knowledge. Beast is the moral objection, objector. So the guy basically tells them how to get the machines to get the humans back. Okay? So they go back. They start fighting Raze's Brotherhood of Alternate Evil Mutants. We get a snicked from Wolverine. Of course, the blood coming out of his claws. And we get a double snick from Raze. And I'm not really sure why he has blood coming out of his claws. I mean... He's a shapeshifter. You would think he would just shape his hand around the claws when he brought them out. So they would just come out the white little holes in his skin or whatever. But I guess it doesn't because he bleeds. Rays and Wolverine get to fight among other things. There's there's a lot of fighting. It's all of it pretty cool. Some pretty cool panels. Um, so Magic takes the team in with the machine that Beast stole from the desert. And they're going to try to reverse engineer everything to bring the humans back. But of course they realize they can't send all the mutant refugees back because they would die in their own reality. So they have to find a way to make everybody fit on Earth. Okay. Mastermind as Wolverine punches North Star, and he calls his gene from his dimension, who is Dark Phoenix. And Dark Phoenix says, Ah, all the X Men burn, burn, everybody burn. She burns Storm pretty bad. Young Jean goes to try to talk to her, and alternate Dark Phoenix can't kill her. So, in a way, they uh, they bond together because the Phoenix wants both of them. It's like, Ooh, two for two for one. They bond together, and um. Basically, they're going to decide they're going to wipe out everybody. The Earth is so near death, it's an empty shell. Let's just get rid of it. Beast activates the machine, and it basically takes all the mutants, everybody, 
and she went down to the little limbo, and the, doc- the zombie doctor's like, you can't use me, and he blows up his warehouse and burns himself alive. Um, all the mutants are stuck. Young Beast appeals to the double phoenix to bring everybody back, and the phoenix is like, why? And Young Beast says, because. Yes, you're death and resurrection, but part of resurrection is life. And this planet, you need this life, something, blah, 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 philosophical nonsense. So they decide to bring everybody back and send people back to their own dimensions. The X-Men object, say they can't, they'll die, but the alternate Dark Phoenix says she doesn't belong here, and Raze is like, you're a crit. The original X-Men don't belong here. They're out of time. They don't belong here either. Send them back. But they don't. And everything kind of goes back to exactly how it was before. Nothing in this story changes anything. <laughs> Except for maybe there's a few alternate reality mutant refugees still left here so there's some more new mutants maybe we barely met any of them so there's no significant characters to come out of that i don't know why raise is working by himself and not with his battle of the atom evil brotherhood that he's currently hanging out with in all new x-men so it also makes me know i have no idea where this story falls uh, continuity-wise, timeline-wise. I don't know if it really matters. Like I said, everything's kind of reset at the end. This could have been a great miniseries. It felt very rushed. Uh, the idea of, like, no humans, and even the idea of the refugees coming. I'm not a huge fan of all the alternate versions of everybody, but some of the mutants were just, like, weird mutants from other places. That part was kind of cool. Like, those refugees could have been cool. There could have been a good story here. Uh, may have... I don't know. Yeah, the only real takeaway, though, is that this is young Jean's first encounter with the Phoenix power, which she's had to deal with kind of the um, periphery of all that. This is her first time to, like, be occupied or possessed by it. But you would think the Phoenix Force would transcend dimensions and realities, that the, the, the force of creation would exist across all realities. There wouldn't be a different Phoenix everywhere. But maybe it gets divided up. Like it got divided between the Phoenix Five. I don't know. Oh, Phoenix things kind of... It's like... I'm really, I'm really divided on the Phoenix in general. Part of me thinks it's really awesome. And part of me thinks it's completely stupid. And I kind of go back and forth and everywhere in between on it. It really just depends on who's writing. Uh, the Phoenix in this story was not that cool. It wasn't completely dumb. It just wasn't that cool. LaRocca's art was overall pretty good. I'm a LaRocca fan. I don't love him as much as I used to. I feel like when he kind of first started, especially when he was doing a Fantastic Four, or even though I didn't like the book as much, when he was doing Extreme X-Men with uh, Claremont, like, that is awesome, like, blow-me-away LaRocca artwork. I feel like the last few years, he's been really good still. He just doesn't blow my mind anymore. But, um, but the art's not bad. Mike Carey... I feel like he has good, really good stories in him, but I don't love all his stories. Anyway, I guess the point is, I kind of had high hopes for the concept, and it was kind of okay. So I'm going to give X-Men No More Humans original graphic novel 3 out of 6 claws. Alright, and last up this episode, we have our Wolverine Roundup. Roundup! Yee! Doggies! Yeehaw! Anyway, we have all new X-Men number 27, which will feature X-23 and Wolverine's son from the future, Rays. I don't like his name. Yeah, that could be better. Razor would have been better. Nope. 
or Ray. Just shorten it to Ray. <laughs> Ray. All right. This is written by Brian Michael Bendis, penciled by Stuart Eminen, inked by Wade Van Grobiger, and colors by Marte Gracia. VC's Corey Pettit does the letters. Woohoo! And the cover is by Eminem, Garabager, and Garcia. We have our Brotherhood from the Future. Only with, some of them. Just some of them, yeah. With the Ice Hulk, Xavier, Rays, and the girl. The girl? And Doesn't the girl. she have a name? Probably. We're just calling her the girl. I don't know what her name is, so yes. Anyway, um, you would think in the future they'd have more comfortable chairs for Xavier to float around in. I thought the exact same than thing. a hard plastic yellow Y. <laughs> I thought it was a wedge. I was like, does he get, like, does his butt go numb? Well, I'm assuming it's always numb. <laughs> but that's just me. So anyway, the Brotherhood after Battle of the Atom is back. And we start off with a scene last year. Dun, dun, and dun. And Moira McTaggart is giving birth. But she has a vision of Cyclops killing Professor X with the uh, phoenix power and she says she doesn't want the baby and she yells and screams and it turns out it's not really mctaggart but mystique so, so mystique and professor x had a baby she was pretending to shocking. be moira well, i don't know if she was pretending to be moira just to give birth or if she was pretending to be moira to seduce charles that's probably what happened i don't think professor x would have um willingly slept with mystique I don't think so. But you would think with his psi powers and all. He would know that it wasn't Moira. Or maybe Moira doesn't exist at all. Maybe it's been Mystique from the get-go. I, I don't know if they've ever been in the same comic or not. Ooh. Anybody know? Chime in. Anyway, she doesn't want the baby. So we go back to the present and the Brotherhood is getting ready to attack the X-Men. The uncanny X-Men, the all-new X-Men, in their base at the new Xavier School. And we get a little bit of a twist. So at the end of last issue, so X-23 tried to run away and Ray stabbed her. And then X-23 came into the base all cut up saying there was a shapeshifter, a shapeshifter. And it turns out that X-23 was really Ray's. So he was the shapeshifter. Yeah. And so, all right, so I, when I first saw X-23 come in, I thought, oh, that's Ray's. He left her out in the snow and he's infiltrating the base. And then when she said, look out, everybody, there's a shapeshifter. I was like, well, Rays wouldn't want people to know there's a shapeshifter, so it's got to really be X-23, and I changed my mind. <laughs> but then it turns out that's just his attitude. He's going to punk he, you. And that fits the way that they wrote him in the uh, No More Humans graphic novel we covered earlier. Anyway, so X-23 is not really X-23. It's Rays, and uh, he raises some hell. <laughs> And someone cut the power and the lights go all red and purple. And it's the Brotherhood. We have Future Beast, Future, the future version of the young gene that came from the past. Xavier and Deadpool and the girl. And they face off against Cyclops. Old Cyclops, Emma, and Young Jean. So basically there's some fighting. We get another flashback. Or no, I'm sorry. A flash forward. And we have Xavier with, I guess, his adopted mom. Yeah. Because Mystique gave him up. And he's been having headaches. And he uh, basically kills his mom. And then we go back to the Xavier school now. And everybody's fighting some more. The healer heals himself. Yeah, that I was I thought that was an interesting yeah. tidbit. Brought himself back to life. And then future Gene of the past Gene takes over one of the cuckoo girls and... Uh, attacks everyone sonically oh no i'm sorry that's xavier 
Yeah, Xavier took over the Cuckoo yeah. Girls, As or one of them. Yeah, so we go to the future in Madripoor. Anyway, Mystique goes up to her apartment, and she's greeted by Xavier. And it's not really Mystique, it's Ray's. He killed his mom and took over her place. Wow. And then Xavier says he was looking for his mother. So Xavier and Ray's are half-brothers. Mystique gets around. Apparently so. Anyway... We find, he says, you look just like, and he says, my dad. So Professor X was his dad. I thought in Battle of the Atom, they said he was his granddad. Now, am I, I remembering that wrong? No, they said it, he was my grandfather. Yeah, like he's Xavier's grandson, I thought. But anyway, I guess he's actually just his son. So they say, ooh, wow, this is special. All right, so Jean from the past is losing to herself from the future, so Emma knocks her out. Got that. And Cyclops said, you've been wanting to do that. She's like, yeah, well. Now I just had a reason. And then the Brotherhood, Jean, I guess on the astral plane, asked the Brotherhood why they're here. And that's that. All right, so I thought the art was really good. What did you think of the art? I enjoyed the art. Yeah, I like Eminem quite a bit. So what do you think of the story? We didn't really actually have X-23. We had Rays. There's uh, quite a few surprises here. There was. Mystique having Professor X's baby. I guess if you're a shapeshifter, you never have to look pregnant. She looked very pregnant. Well, yeah, when she wanted to. <laughs> I'm saying when Mystique was just running around doing her Mystique stuff, she could have hit her baby bump pretty well. Then we also find out that Xavier's offspring and Rays our half brothers, so there's a there's a thing there. Yeah, and we find out the sum, and they, I'm actually glad because they actually draw attention to this and mention it. They don't answer it, but they they bring up the question because we had thought, well, weren't some of these guys dead? Yeah. And the X Men ask the same thing. Well, weren't some of these guys? I think they say expired. Yeah, they were like, didn't some of these people expire? Right. And so and there's a mystery there. Did they go back to the future and then come back to the present, or is it a whole different group? But they knew what happened the last time they fought. So, I don't know. Yeah. It's a mystery. It's a noodle twister. It's a, uh, you need a dry erase board and some expo markers. That's what. That's why Young Beast has a chalkboard that he's writing everything down on. Oh, my goodness. All right. So, what do you think? Okay, I love the art. Story, yeah. Um, a little confused. The flashback, flash forwards, or flash forward forwards, or for forward flash forwards yeah but there's like are they all flash forwards no some are flashback one was a year ago and then one was a few right. years from now and then one was even later than that yeah so that was a little confusing to oh. follow all right so what are you gonna grade it all new x-men number 27 i'm gonna give it four out of six four out of six i am also gonna give it four out of six all right well that's our uh, wolverine roundup yeehaw <laughs> Okay, so that's going to do it for this episode, episode 87 in the can. Um, please leave an iTunes review. Please like the Facebook page. Please. Well, yeah, if you want to go to the website. Follow us on Twitter. Yes, follow us on Twitter. Uh, the website is snickcast.podbean.com. There's show notes and stuff on there. Um, if you want to email, it's snickcast at yahoo.com. And uh, I think that's it. Um, if you want to contribute to Denise's uh, Chicago Marathon fundraising. Please. You I mean, ran 15 miles today. That's right. She did. There's still a link up on the website that you can look at. It's probably a couple of posts back, but it's up there. Yeah. Or you can email or tweet us or Facebook us and we can give you the info that way if you can't find it either. No, like, like we've said before, no one should feel obligated, but nope. we would appreciate it if anybody wants to. Yes, please. All right, cool. Well, that's going to do it. Um, I don't really know what's going to be next. There's some scheduling conflicts we've been working on, but... um. We have scheduling conflicts? Well, for the flashback stuff. Oh. 
allergies and sickness and severe weather has uh, caused a couple of cancellations. Severe but. weather. Read that as hail, people. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was that tornado warning that day. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. It didn't affect me. I actually had to sit in the bathroom at work for like 30 minutes. That's one of our safe zones. I work in a small office, so we obviously didn't know anything. And he's sending me text messages. You okay? You okay? You okay? And I'm in a meeting. She's not answering me. (laughs) I'm just assuming she went all uh, Wizard of Oz. (laughs) I was in a meeting. I left my phone at my desk. Yep. Excuses, excuses. Sorry. Anyway, something will be next. Either a flashback or a regular episode. Yeah. So until next time, take care. Hugs and snicks. Bye. Bye.